is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead podcast number 186, recorded on Monday, November the 10th, 2014. Oh, I've had a busy day, Jason. How, how's your life going? Uh, you know, the day happened. We a regular number of hours between midnight and now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was steady. That's good for pretty, you. Pretty normal for a Monday, I think. I have had a tough one. Not a tough one, just a busy one. I've got a busy evening coming up after this podcast, and then I've got a busy day tomorrow, too. Although tomorrow I don't spend very much time in the office, so... That's kind of okay. I don't mind getting That's out. That's all right. Getting out. Actually, once in a while. Uh, tomorrow I am spending the whole day in the office, which is odd for me because usually uh, I don't spend the whole day in the office. That's unusual. Yeah, that's that's weird. It's like we're trading lives for a day, just for a day. I'm getting my computer upgraded to Windows 8. Ooh, that should be. I'm I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> it's going to be horrible. <laughs> it's going to be just downright horrible. All right. Well, I'm just out and about. I'm not at home with no pants on like you usually are. Uh, I'm I'm getting around tomorrow. So. Anyhow, um, let's uh, let's move this thing right along so I can get back to my busy life. Okay. <laughs> um, Shut up and let's go. No, there's a couple things I want oh. to do, first of all. One thing we haven't done in a while is thank our fine patrons. Oh, cool. Yes, it's very cool. Um, uh, Patreon.com slash The Talking Dead is where you can go to find out more information about supporting us over there, including... Uh, these people who have already done that. And I would just like to throw the shout out to these fine folks. First of all, Jim and Aaron from our friends over at the Bald Move Podcasting Network. Those guys are good, a couple of good dudes who we've hung out with before and Mm -hmm. who do another Walking Dead podcast. So if you haven't heard of them, go check them out. But they supported us on uh, Patreon and they deserve a shout out for that. So thank you, Jim and Aaron. Yes. Uh, Going down the list, we also have Stacy. We've got Sarah Guest, Bobby Yakuzo, Katie Stubbs, Luke Bishop, Chris Barclay, Kyle Johansson, Jaina Mirth, and Nerla Moyes. So thank you to all of you folks for supporting us on Patreon and everybody else who has also done so. It makes your heart warm and fuzzy, doesn't it, Jason? My heart is warm and fuzzy right now, and I... Uh... I, I I don't I dare say it. I love those patrons. <laughs> I love them. Them and all of the others too. Yeah. So thanks everyone. Uh, if you want to support us on Patreon, head over to Patreon.com/slash/TheTalkingDead. You can find out how to do it over there. And for all those people, for those new people, anyways, who have supported at a reward level, which is one of the few levels we have, if you're expecting a postcard, uh, don't fear. It will be in the mail just as soon as possible. Yeah. The uh, the check is in the mail. The check is not in the mail. The postcard may be, though. It's a postcard. <laughs> Postcard's in the mail. <laughs> All right. Perfect. All right. One more thing. I'm going to play a, another entry in our Record Your Favorite Scene contest. Now, this is another singing entry. People love singing, Jason. Did you know that? I, uh, I did know that. I, however, don't love singing, and uh, nobody would love me singing. So let's just uh, listen to other people sing. Let's leave it to the people who know what they're doing. Yeah. Is what you're saying? All right. Well, this entry comes from uh, Katie Atkinson, and uh, it's a singing one, so here we go. Of all the money that 
air I had. I spent it in good company and all the harm that air I've ever done. Unless it was to none but me. And all I've done for one talk with to memory now I can't recall. So fill to me the parting glass. Good night and joy be with you all. Of all the comrades that era I had, they're sorry for my going away. And all the sweethearts that era I had, they'd wish me one more day to stay. But since it falls unto my luck, that I should rise and you should not. I'll gently rise and I'll softly call. Good night and joy be with you all. Good night and joy be with you all. Wonderful. Thank you, Katie. Oh. I should have said that's Katie in North Yorkshire, England. That was awesome. Very, very I nice. I really, really enjoyed that. That was great. Uh, you know, that's, of course, one of the songs Beth performs, or Emily Kinney performs as Beth on the show. I don't know for sure if, I don't remember now if Beth or Emily sang that much of the song, but that was just so nice I wanted to hear it all. So mm -hmm. thank you, Katie. Uh, now, it's been a few days since we've got any entries in this here contest, so if you are sitting at home with nothing to do, thinking about you know, ways to entertain yourself and ways to entertain us, <laughs> really. Right, yeah, uh, absolutely. You, you should pick a scene from The Walking Dead TV show, any of the five seasons so far, and record a quick monologue or a duologue with a friend. Is it called a duologue? A dialogue. A dialogue. A, a dialogue is the, is the correct term you're looking for. Is there a word when there's three people involved? I believe it's still a dialogue, but it could be a trialogue. Okay. Well, record something and uh, send it in to us. We want to get more entries in this thing. I just have a feeling that a new prize is going to be added to the pot for this contest. Um, but I don't know 100% yet, so we'll have to find out maybe uh, on Wednesday or maybe next week. We have a prize pot? We have a prize pot. That's, is it a metaphorical pot or is it a physical pot? It is not actually a physical pot. It is a group of prizes. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Uh, but I think I'm, I, I, I think something's going to be added to it. So get your entries in. I'll update you on what that is in the coming days. But if you want to send entries, of course, email them to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com after you record them on your phone or your computer or whatever way you want. And uh, we'll play them on the show. Unless you explicitly tell me not to, then I won't. So just keep that in mind. Right. All right, thank you to everyone who's entered that contest. Here we go. Now we're getting into the show. We're going to recap this week's episode of The Walking Dead. All right, thank you, Dave, for sending in that title read. It was, uh, it was Dave as a zombie reading the title of the episode. That was awesome. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was it was very very cool. He uh, he sent in the titles for the the few, next few episodes as a zombie. So we may awesome. use those. If you want to read the title, by all means, just record it and fire it over to us. We like to have people read the titles of these episodes, so I don't have to say them. <laughs> right, right. Because you're lazy. I la- don't feel like reading every damn thing. Right? I, I spend the whole episode reading stuff. So, I mean, when someone else could do it, that's always a bonus. Yeah. All right. So this is Self-Help at Season 5, Episode 5. We start off, and we are in the bus, the short bus that left the church. It's driving down the road. And um, Abraham is at the wheel. Driving away. <laughs> driving away. That's right. And Rosita's there stroking his hair, talking about how he's getting shaggy. And he says that uh, maybe he'll relax the grooming rules soon and <laughs> he'll let her shave him all the way down dolphin smooth, he says. Like a dolphin, yeah. <laughs> that is uh, just a shocking mental image. Yes, it's a very shocking mental image, like a, like a space monkey. Like they, they shaved the monkeys before they shot them into space. So uh, it's sort of like dolphin smooth like a space monkey. That's a thing? They shave monkeys before they shot them into space? I believe they did, yeah. Why? Well, why would you want a hairy monkey in space? <laughs> I don't know why they shaved the monkeys. Because they needed to attach like uh, a bunch of electrodes to them, right? Like they weren't just, they were wanted to make sure that they were still alive. And you can't like, you know, earth to monkey, earth to monkey, are you still alive? Uh, and the monkey says, ooh, ooh, ee, 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 ah, ah. And that means, yes, of course I'm still alive, you stupid idiots, in mission control. So you attach a bunch of electrodes to them, and as you may know, uh, attaching electrodes to a hairy monkey is a very difficult thing. I've had electrodes on my own hairy monkey body, so yeah. Oh, things uh, have progressed a lot since the 60s. (laughs) So they can now attach electrodes to uh, hairy monkeys like you and me. Right. But uh, back in the 60s, they had to shave the monkeys. We're like... Three seconds into this episode, and we're already talking about attaching electrodes to hairy monkeys. Like, where do things space monkeys? Where do things go off the rails like this just so quickly? How does this happen? <laughs> we're talking about shaving uh, Abraham. Uh, yeah, I, dolphin smooth. I get it, dolphin smooth. <laughs> uh, all right, well, that's a, that's going to be a new thing. I'm going to go dolphin smooth maybe uh, next summer. Nope, not you. <laughs> <laughs> no, not you. <laughs> oh, I might. You never know. Probably not. No. Though. I refuse to even acknowledge that that image exists. Okay. Well, uh, we cut over to Tara, and she's telling Eugene that his hair needs a trim. There's a lot of hair talk in this cold open. It is. And, but she suggests that it's the source of his power, which is a reference to the story of Samson. Mm-hmm. And uh, Eugene says he's not slaying a lion anytime soon. Uh, He says he's actually thinking about what the preacher back at the church did. So it sounds like Eugene was kind of affected by that. Like he's seen a lot of horrible things, but I guess um, hearing what this preacher did was kind of eye-opening for him. Maybe he hasn't really experienced anything that horrible yet. I think he has experienced stuff that's been horrible, but uh, I think he thinks about a lot of things. It's just his mind jumps around and thinks about various such things. And uh, uh, at any given time, you know, he talks about, he's thinking about whatever. He kind of has, like, anything that's in his brain comes out his mouth sort of thing. Well, when asked, like, specifically, what are you thinking about right now? You know, the answer could be candy. Yeah. Like, why are you thinking about candy? He's like, well, I don't know. That's what I was thinking about at this particular moment. Haven't had any in a while. Sounds yummy. Yeah. (laughs) 
All right. Well, that's what he's thinking about. Uh, Maggie is telling Glenn that she hopes that Rick and the gang are on their way behind them, that they'll catch up. You know, maybe Daryl and Carol came back. They're on their way. Everything will be fine. And Glenn sort of uh, reassures her that they'll catch up and says, we're just clearing the way for them. Don't worry about it. They're on their way. I actually yelled at the TV at this point, mention Beth, mention oh. Beth, just have a concern, one concern, maybe Carol and Daryl come back with Beth. No, no Beth, nothing. <sighs> they couldn't do it. It's just getting worse. It's getting worse and worse. And now that Maggie was actually in an episode where she had more than one or two lines, it was glaring how how weird it is that she hasn't mentioned Beth. It, yeah, it's a little weird. It, it, I don't know if, if they're... Uh, you know, we're, we're buying into this in order for a big payoff at some point where it's going to blow up. Oh shit. I haven't really talked about Beth in a long time because of, I'm so upset and, you know, you come up with whatever reason or whether it's just the writers of the show screwing up so badly that they forget that her sister is missing. Uh, But I can't, I just can't. I see how they could not do that. Somebody in that writer's room needs to be like, her sister is missing. And there has never been any acknowledgement of that other than when Daryl told her the last I saw her, she was alive. But in that scene, Maggie didn't even seem too concerned about it. You would have thought there was some follow-up questions, right? And maybe we're just not seeing that, but it doesn't make any sense. And I mean, people forget about stuff all the time. I remember when I was in uh, in high school, my, uh, one teacher was telling us about uh, they uh, an architecture firm designed a library, a university library, and they built the whole thing, and they forgot to account for the weight of the books. <laughs> they accounted for the weight, you know, the the, uh, the the structure, the people. It's like, oh crap, this thing's supposed to be filled with books, and nobody thought about that the entire time it was being constructed. They couldn't use it as a library. Because it would have sank. But doesn't, I mean, doesn't a building have to, isn't a building built with the idea that stuff will go in it, like people, furniture, whatever? Are books yeah. that diff- that much different? Just because there's, there's a lot Just of them. Just because of the, yeah, there's a lot of them. There's a, a high concentration. There's an average, you know, weight per square foot in an office building or right. in whatever administrative building. But for a library, the weight is higher because you have to account for the weight of the books. That's crazy. It is crazy. Um, well, yeah, that's crazy. And it's crazy that Beth has, I mean, that Baggy has not spoken about Beth. So I'm just thinking, you know, the, maybe the writers missed it. Maybe at some point, uh, you know, when this, uh, the last episode air aired, they went, uh, you know, we forgot to mention Beth in the first three episodes. Oh, oops. And, and now they're just avoiding the problem? No, uh, they may not have had t- time to correct it by okay. this point. Well, I, well, I was just, with you. They fucked up. Yeah, I was with you, though. I'm like, just mention her. Say something. Say something. Don't talk about everyone who's still following you. You're worried. You're more worried about them than your own sister. Talk about Beth, but it didn't happen. So yeah. um, she turns to Eugene and asks him how long it'll take to administer the cure once they get to D.C., and he goes off on a bunch of confusing data about target sites and hydrocarbons and things like that, as <laughs> he is known to do. Yeah. And then Glenn just changes the conversation back to hair and says, why the hair? <laughs> and Yuji's answer is because he likes it. Right. It's plain and simple. But he also talks about his old boss, whose name was T. Brooks Ellis. And he said, he's the smartest man I ever met. And he liked my hair. And he said, it made me look like a fun guy. 
<laughs> well, it's party in the back. It no? is. That's it, a fun guy. Absolutely, if you're partying in the back. Um, and and Eugene says, you know, I am a fun guy. I just ain't Samson. So, <laughs> did you uh, have you ever met uh, anybody that you respected and looked up to and thought was the smartest person you ever met? Uh, when you met them, did they mention your hair? No. Nope. Did they mention anybody's hair? Nobody's hair. So. I just thought it was odd that, you know, I met this really smart guy, even if I worked with some really smart guy and he liked my hair. You know how long it's been since somebody said, I like your hair? I think I was 12. Right. It, it and does, it was a barber. It, yeah. <laughs> I like cutting your hair. <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, I, 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 I think women probably tell each other that they like their hair sometimes, but it doesn't really happen to me. No, you're right. Right. Uh, anyways... I guess this is just something that happened in Eugene's life. His boss, the smartest man he knows, told him he likes the hair, so he's keeping it. And while this conversation is going on, Abe drives by some zombies. All of a sudden, something happens, and he loses control of the, the truck or the uh, the bus. It sounded like a blowout. It, it to me. did to me. It sounded like a blown tire. I thought so at the time as well. Um, but they hit a parked car or a stranded car, and the bus flips, and uh, zombies start approaching from the back, and we go to the opening right. credits. So uh, our heroes are in trouble. Yeah, you know, four seconds after they leave the church. It did not take very long. When we come back to the show, we are in a flashback, it looks like, and Abraham is there beating the crap out of somebody with a can in his hand. Oh, yeah. Some sort of can of soup or beans or something, and he's just using it as a as a weapon to beat the crap out of somebody. Uh, as the camera pulls back, we find out he's in a supermarket and it looks like he's killed four people because <clears throat> there's four bodies there on the ground. And he uh, gets up and he says the name Ellen. Mm -hmm. But that's it. That's all of our flashback for now. We go back to the present and we're in the bus. They're getting up. Zombies are at the back door. The bus is on its side. And uh, somebody says that the engine is on fire. So they got to get the hell out of there. Yep. They push out the back door jump out, start killing zombies. Now, Tara and I, you... Yeah? I have a question about uh, school bus doors. Sure. Okay. So when they push the door open, it uh, it flopped down, right? Okay. So it opened, it, it opened you know, normal as, uh, as school bus back doors open. It opens on one side. Right. So here's what I'm thinking about school bus design, is that if the door opened, like, like when the bus is upside down, right and it's just normally you know a bus on its wheels if the door opened like a ramp like it opened down wouldn't that make life a lot easier so that if it was on its side the door would open sideways no matter which side it was on the door would easily open sideways if the bus was upright it would open like a ramp and all the kids could go down the ramp and if it was upside down it wouldn't open at all or at least it'd be right. harder Yes, so there's that but I'm just thinking that if the bus was on the other side they wouldn't have been able to get that door open uh, that's an interesting point. Not one that I would have thought of, but yeah, if, if it opened like a ramp normally, then it would be able to swing open one way or the other when it was yeah, on and its a, side. A, a, and you could design a bus so that it wouldn't land on its roof because the roof is round and it would just roll over onto its side. Most likely if you put it on, on its roof. I suppose you could, could do You that. could design a bus that always landed on its wheels. <laughs> really? Like For, a weeble wobble. Right. So when you're doing stunt tricks in, in your school bus, it'll always land right side up. 
Yeah, I'm just thinking the design of the door could have been, you know, just in general for school buses could be designed a little better to be more useful in more situations. Okay, it's a fair point. You should call the bus design consortium of the world. And oh, let- I did. I did. I sent them a letter. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> good. A strongly worded yet polite letter to somebody's underling. All right. Who will give maybe the gist to that uh, superior person. You'll have to let me ha- know how that goes when they get back yeah. to you. All right. Uh, so that bus door problem aside, uh, they, they push out the back. Now, Tara is in there with Eugene. They're the last two in the bus and a really awesome looking skinny, gross zombie <laughs> comes through the window and, uh, Tara kills it for Eugene cause he's useless in these situations. And he's, she says to him, it's time to be brave. You got to man up a little bit here. And she gives him a knife. He looks sort of like a skinny zombie Santa Claus. Is what I thought that guy looked like. <laughs> Does he have a red hat and a jolly belly? No, he had a. He was bald, but it had a really long white beard, and he was really skinny. So skinny zombie Santa Claus. <laughs> that's right. That's that w- that's what I saw. All right, that would be a great new character for the show. But skinny zombie Santa Claus didn't last very long. That's also going to be the name of my first album, by the way. Skinny zombie Santa Claus. Oh uh, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> um, outside the bus, everyone is killing zombies. And uh, we see just a bunch of zombie kills here and there. One almost gets Tara, though, but Eugene grabs it just in time and saves her. So Stabs her and stabs the zombie in the back. In the back, right. But it was enough to get the zombie away from Tara just before it got her, and then she turns around and takes it in the head. Yeah. So good for Eugene. He did man up a little bit here. Yeah. Right? Finally. Um, after the fight, we find out that Abraham has a wound on his hand, but apparently it is an old wound that has reopened. It was not a new wound um, acquired in this fight. It's because he keeps punching people. He's very punchy. He's very punchy, and if you got a wound on your hand, and you keep, you know, you sew up the wound or patch it up, and then you punch some more zombies or whatnot, and you're going to tear it open every now and again. He's got to take a break from the punching to heal up. Yeah. Right? I, it makes sense to me. Uh, now let's see, um, they, they go to the first, oh, they go for the first aid kit in the bus, but it blows up into flames. <laughs> yeah, so that's terrible, terrible timing for the you know, explosion. It, uh, ter- yeah, exactly. First aid kit, you know, uh-oh, it's on fire. That's not the kind of first aid kit you want. Uh, so Abe, he wants to keep going on foot, but Eugene suggests they go back for a vehicle, and everyone kind of is sort of like, maybe we should do that. But Abe insists that they don't go back. They keep moving forward. And then Glenn steps up and questions him about being good, as in still being of sound mind, before yeah. they keep following him. And yeah, we're all going to follow you. We agree with you. I just want to make sure that you're still sane. Uh, yeah, that's right, that you're still leading us you know, properly, not like just into, into uh, death or something like that. Yeah, and the church is only, they mentioned it, it's only 15 miles behind them. Right. So that's what, a three and a half hour walk? Something like that? That's not far. Average four miles an hour if you if you hike it up pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's not far. They could be back there by nightfall. You they, know? they could and be like, we crashed the bus, uh, we're just going to stay here. <laughs> <laughs> we, we crashed the bus like three miles down, 15 miles down the road, yeah. uh, so we need, need a new one. <laughs> right. Does Do you that... have any more church buses that we could drive? <laughs> <laughs> and maybe get 20 miles before we crash it? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, no, but Abraham has none of that. He's like, we're going forward. And uh, so he ensures the group that, that he's good, and he says that he took a big hit to the sack when the bus rolled over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what he what Abraham is experiencing at this point is uh, an actual uh, a condition that they study in airline pilots. 
It's called get there It's, uh, you know, when you're, a, a plane is landing in or attempting to land in really bad weather, uh, you know, the instinct of uh, a lot of pilots is to just get there, just land the damn plane, get it on the ground, and everything will be okay. And you have to be careful about that because uh, that is a natural thing for humans to do, and sometimes it's the wrong thing to do. So they they study that, and they uh, you have to I, I guess they teach the pilots to be aware of get their itis and just be careful that you're making the right decision because they're only 15 miles away from the church. Really, they crash their bus and they're just going to walk instead of going back and regrouping. I don't know. No, you're right. I, going back to regroup would would be the smart thing to do actually. And I've never heard of this get their itis. Is that the official term for it? Uh, I, I've heard that term on, uh, Mayday. You ever watch that show? It's on Discovery Channel. It's like one of my favorite shows. I've heard of it. Never, yeah. Never I've, I've it. probably mentioned it on the show many times. I love that show. It's, uh, they, uh, do a dramatization of a, uh, uh, some kind of transportation accident, usually an airplane accident. And then, uh, the second half of the show is the investigation into the cause and, uh, what they did to prevent that kind of thing from happening in the future. Hmm. That's, it sounds like an interesting show if you're the kind of person that can watch that sort of thing without freaking yourself out. I actually like it because uh, it reassures me that everybody involved in air travel is a consummate professional and that they really try to uh, work out all these kinks. And mm-hmm. when there is an accident, they figure out the cause and they fix it. And they fix it, right. That's good. Well, I guess the idea is, yeah, it's safer sometimes to keep the plane in the air than to try and land it in extremely dangerous circumstances. Or, you know, go someplace else. You know, they all have alternate airports for, uh, you know, bad weather. Sure. Like if there's if there's a hurricane on the ground and you have, uh, you know, really, really bad weather and there's only like a 10% chance of you actually getting wheels on the tarmac and everything stopped all nice, turn around and go someplace else for a while. You know? Yeah, go somewhere where you've got a better chance of landing. Sure, it's going to cost the airline a lot of money, but who cares? Yes, uh, a bunch of uh, a crashed airplane costs them a lot more. Yeah. So it sounds like Abraham has some get their itis problems yeah. in this scene. He, he yeah, just go at all costs. Just go. We got to keep moving. He's so at, it's, it's it's bad. It is bad, and he exhibits that throughout this episode, actually. Yeah, when we when we get right down to it, uh, but he he wants to do this, and at this point, the group seems to rally around him. I noticed they're all like, "Okay, let's go. We're we're doing this. We're this is our thing right now." Um, he's a dangerous man with a weapon, and he's in charge. He is and in charge. So everybody's like, "Yes, yes, sir. Let's go. <laughs> let's keep going." Before they leave, Eugene spits on a dead zombie, and I guess that's just to make a point. <laughs> you don't yeah. attack us. I'll spit on you. Uh, and they leave, heading down the road. We go to a commercial, come back, and we have our another flashback. It's Abraham in the store. Again, of course, he's calling out for Ellen, and he comes up on a woman and two children, a boy and a girl, and they look kind of frightened. Well, yeah. They're in a zombie apocalypse. I'd be frightened, too. Absolutely. That's it for the flashback. We come back into the present, and the group is breaking into a store. It's nighttime. And we we get almost a montage now over the next uh, minute or two of them fortifying the place. It's night. We see Tara taking water from the toilet tank. Uh, they're covering over the windows. They're blocking the doors with shelves. Eugene is lighting a fire in a bucket, and they're burning paper and books. It's a bookstore, apparently, so they have lots of mm-hmm. stuff they can burn. 
uh, Tara is boiling the water we see, and Rosita is stitching up Abe's hand. He's his uh, open wound hand there. And all the while this is going on, Abraham is humming a tune. And yeah. I would like to know what the tune is, if it's anything. So if uh, I, I, I thought for a while uh, I recognized it, but uh, I don't think it was what I thought it was. All right. Well, that doesn't help me at all. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, but thank you. Um, if anyone out there knows what that song is, if it's significant in any way, let us know. Um, I, would, I would be interested to know. I, you know, they don't put music in this show by accident. So it's it's probably something. So I wouldn't mind, but I uh, I I had I couldn't recognize it at all. We see Abraham and Glenn at a window. There's zombies outside, including one bumping itself against the window for a second, trying before, to eat the window, trying to eat it before it shambles off. And Abraham thanks Glenn for sticking with him. He says it's clear that Glenn understands how important this mission is. So a little bonding moment between these two guys here. Mm -hmm. And Abraham continues to talk about how they're at a point now in the zombie apocalypse where everyone who's still alive is strong, which I think is a really interesting observation. He says that yeah. the people you meet are either strong and you need their help, and so you work with them, or they're strong and threatening, so you got to kill them. Right. And there's no in-between. And I thought that was a really, really interesting point. If you've survived this long, you clearly know what you're doing. You clearly have some sort of survival skills. You've got a system. You've got some way to protect yourself. And, you know, you, you don't come across anyone who's just sort of still, you know, fumbling through this and happens to be still alive. Those people are all long gone. And right. I, I thought it was really interesting how he pointed that out. Yeah, and that that, that uh, group of people that just stumble through and are not really all that strong and would probably die are people like me, and maybe to a lesser extent you. Oh, I'm I'm pretty there with you. I'd say yeah, we'd be long gone by this time in the apocalypse. Oh yeah, <laughs> a year and a half in, forget about it. Unless we had an Abraham protecting us, like Eugene. Uh yeah, I'm probably not smart enough to do that. Even then, though, it's uh you know. <laughs> <laughs> we'd be uh, left behind someday, and that would be that. Uh, the other thing Abraham here says that it's become the easiest thing in the world now to just sort of kill the people who threaten you, and 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 that's how 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 we live now. So, yeah, interesting observation there too. Uh, but Glenn reminds him that the world is going to change, and uh, then tells him to turn in because he's going to need his rest. But Abraham says he says that's great and all, but I need to get some ass first. <laughs> yeah, I, thought, I found that a bit shocking, frankly. Uh, a, a little bit. Well, I mean, so did Glenn. He didn't he say like uh, thanks? Didn't need to know that, but cool, man. A little bit too much information. Yeah. Um, and then speaking of shocking, we cut immediately to Abraham and Rosita having sex. Yeah, they each were getting some ass. I guess. I, I guess so. On the floor of the bookstore. Well, where else are you gonna where else are you gonna get asked? Well, you're in a bookstore. You might as well do it on the bookstore floor. Yeah. <laughs> and they realize that Eugene is watching them through again. through the yeah, again, through one of the shelves. He's just standing there all creepy looking, watching them do it. And the crazy thing is they don't seem to mind. They laugh it off. Okay, so the three of them obviously got a weird friggin' relationship. They've been together too long. Yep. And uh, 
Okay, first of all, I didn't know uh, Abraham and Rosita were a thing. Nobody knew that, for sure. Okay. So it wasn't just me then? No, not didn't just figure you. it out. All right, so, and I didn't know that the three of them were in this weird kind of, uh, you know, having sex while Eugene's watching relationship. Because, you know, it's weird. But yeah, whatever, whatever floats your boat, uh, you know, I'm not here to judge. I just, I don't think I would want to be any one of those people in that situation. How do you define this, uh, this kind of relationship? Like there are, you know, there's sort of parent child dynamic sometimes, which I wouldn't say this is because that's even weirder. Um, there's, there's an equal relationship, but they're not equals because, uh, Rosita and Eugene are, are clearly sort of uh, sorry Rosita and Abraham are protecting Eugene they're leading him through life basically at this point yeah um you know they're so how do you define this relate this weird triangular relationship they have it's really not a triangle I don't think you can no it it well there's three sides to it so it's triangular no there's three people but two of them are are on one side and Eugene's on the other <laughs> yeah it's it's a weird kind of family dynamic uh, you know, with three adults, obviously not a, a true family, but, uh, you know, you, you got to do what you got to do to get through, uh, to get through the zombie apocalypse. And sometimes you're, uh, you're hanging out with, uh, with somebody and somebody else and you want to have sex with one of those people. And there's really not a lot of opportunity for, for privacy. So the third party in that situation just pretends they don't see it for a while. And you- then... They just all they all get so close that they stop caring. I figured it out. I know what it is. All right. It's an elevator relationship with two pe- with three people in an elevator, two of them having a conversation and the third people standing there. Third person yeah. standing there. And it's one of those convers it's one of those things where it's it's a it's a it's like a public and private situation all at the same time where you're gonna have you're gonna be talking in the elevator. You know very well that there's another person there listening to your private conversation because elevators aren't that big, but it's a, there's a mutual understanding that that takes place that uh, you know the third party everyone knows he can hear the conversation, but everyone understands that that's unavoidable and that that person will basically they'll go their separate ways after like it never happened. Yeah. So the the term is disattend. So that third person disattends the the conversation. Right. So they are just basically when you live in such close proximity to people you don't know, you just pretend there's privacy. Right. It's just a mutual kind of delusion that everybody just pretends that you have some level of privacy when in fact you really don't. All right. So it's a disattending relationship. Disattending sexual you know elevator relationship. Tom elevator <laughs> weird relationship. All right. Well, I think that about covers it but Tara comes up to Eugene and she's like what the, what are you doing man and he admits that he watches them because he thinks it doesn't hurt anybody it's a victimless crime he says yeah so yeah uh and all cards on the table i was watching them and Tara's like no shit yeah no <laughs> i saw kidding. you watching them <laughs> we could all hear uh, them but at least the rest of us averted our eyes <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, and, but Tara comes and they start talking and she wants to thank him for saving her during the zombie bus fight, the bus zombie fight. And Tara reassures Eugene that he's getting better at surviving. He's not a helpless little boy anymore. He's, he's getting, he's finding his way in this world slowly. And 
At this point, Eugene admits that he put glass in the fuel line to sabotage the bus. Yep. And it's not really clear at this point why he did that, or even why he's he's telling her. Um, and he talks about it. You know, if if he can't cure the disease, there's no way they'd keep him around. And Tara assures him that no, we're friends. Of course we would. And she ultimately agrees to keep his secret. Um, but but at this point, to you, why do you think he felt Eugene felt the need to sort of reveal this to them? To, to Tara. Uh, I think he's got, uh, he has a new relationship with Tara in that she is kind of looking out for him. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and he's latching onto that, right? He's trying to, or she's trying to get him to, you know, to, to man up and be more of an active participant in his own survival. And he recognizes that. And he took a step towards that today. And so he feels, um, uh, he feels like he needs to to do something for Tara, so I think what he does is admit something personal, and that happened to be I sabotaged the bus, which is kind of weird. <laughs> it's a little bit weird, but I think you're right. He's he's slowly starting to feel a connection with her, and he wants to. Yeah, you're right. He wants to tell her. He wants to be truthful with her uh, as much as he can. So this is this is what he does. It's nice though to see him and actually her they're both they're both kind of outsiders when you think about it and it's i like bringing these two outsiders together and, and creating some sort of bond between them yeah i think it works i think it works well character wise um anyway she agrees to keep his secret and he leaves and then tara takes a peek at abe and rosita before she leaves too <laughs> <laughs> well yeah so they aren't all that different really no uh, we go to Glenn and Maggie, and she's still talking about everybody back at the church. She says she's feeling guilty about leaving them there. And Glenn cheers her up by calling what they're doing a vacation, which is uh, a little hilarious. Yeah. And, you know, Maggie kind of agrees, and she ultimately comes to the decision that what they're doing is all about what's going to be, not what was. They're working towards the future here. Mm -hmm. And uh, still, she doesn't talk about Beth. Nope, no Beth. I, I thought they were going to start having sex, though. Well, I mean, why not? This is the the sexy bookstore, so. <laughs> yeah, they're in the sexy bookstore, and everybody else is having sex. It's you know, every once in a while you'll have. Uh, I think Californication is like this. Uh, everybody in the episode all has sex at the same time, regardless of you know whatever plot lines or storylines are going on. Uh, there's shows that just when one you know, one storyline has two people having sex. All the other storylines have two people having sex. I thought this is what uh, we were going towards, but apparently not. No, apparently not. I think that much sex would be too much sex for The Walking Dead. You, you think so? I, I I think so. I think that's too so much sex. So you think sex. a full-on uh, full orgy is right out the window then? Probably not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> it would be a very different show. Uh, they kind of... Glenn and Maggie kind of, you know, lie down and start going to sleep. And then there's a lingering shot of the dark window that they were standing at. And a zombie slowly walks by. That was my favorite shot of the episode, I think. Yeah, it was nice. It was super creepy. And it wasn't, un, you know, unnaturally long like that shot of the church sign a couple episodes ago. Yep. It was just long enough that it was like the world just seems dark and dead out there. And then a zombie walks by and we're reminded, oh, it really is dark and dead out there. It's not just a sexy bookstore. 
No. It's got uh, the zombie apocalypse is still going on it's out there. The, it's the sexy bookstore in hell is what it is. <laughs> yeah. We go to commercial, and when we come back, we have another flashback. Abraham is approaching the women and the, the woman and the kids that he found. I, I think it's safe to say that this is his wife and chil- child, children. Uh, I'm not entirely convinced of that. I think that that's probably right, but uh, I wasn't entirely convinced of it. All right. Well, le- all right. Let's let's go with Jason's not entirely convinced of it, but I'm pretty sure it's his wife and children. <laughs> okay. Um, he's approaching them, and he says they're safe now, but they clearly look terrified. They are shaken in their boots. He holds up his hands, which are covered in blood from beating the crap out of those guys in the frozen food aisle, and we smash cut into Rosita bandaging his hand back in the present. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Good. (laughs) Um, I'm with you. She says that it's not infected, which is good, Um, so he's not going to get a horrible hand infection. Or a zombie infection. Right, or a zombie infection. It's not going to activate stage B of the virus. Right. Where'd they get the uh, first aid kit? Was it? Um, I'm going to say there was a first aid kit in the bookstore, the sexy bookstore. Under under the first aid section? No, I, I think any smart business owner would keep a first aid kit in their store. So when a kid comes in and falls down and cuts themselves, they can help them. Do you have a first aid kit at home? Yeah. Like an actual first aid kit, or is it just like a box of bandages? We have first aid supplies. I don't really have a first aid kit. There is one in the car, though. That's close. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Um, So maybe they should be checking all the cars. They should. For first aid kits. I I Flashlights and stuff, because I got a first aid kit and a flashlight and flares and various odds and ends in the trunk of my car. I have a first aid kit, a flashlight, and a roll of toilet paper. That's a good idea. I'm going to put a roll of toilet paper. Up. I have it wrapped in plastic and stuck in the car, so it's always safe. And uh, when you have children, these things can come in handy. It would no doubt, and probably for adults too. Toilet paper anywhere at any time can come in handy for anyone. When you need it and you don't have it, boy, oh boy, are you disappointed? Yeah. All right. Uh, now she's yeah. She says it's not infected, Rosita, and she says that they should stay here for a day. But Abraham disagrees. He still doesn't want to waste any time. And then the rest of the gang walks up, and Maggie suggests the same thing, basically, that they stay and gather supplies. And then Rosita suddenly backs Abraham and says they'll go and get supplies on the way, like they've always done. Yeah. So she flip-flopped, like, right right in the scene here. She's, she's kind of feeling like, you know, maybe it would be a good idea to stay. Maybe I can convince Abe to, like, take it easy for a minute. But in public... I'm behind him 100%. I support him in what we're doing. Right. Maybe she recognized the body language, his body language, that he was resisting that. And, uh, you know, if he, uh, if he's too many people are counter to what he wants to do, he gets punchy and he would open up that wound that she just spent all that time fixing. So maybe she's just trying to uh, stave off uh, more bloodletting. Yeah. She's like, we're going to run out of bandages if you keep being so punchy. So uh, let's not yeah. go down that road again. Stop punching um, people. There's no way he's going to do that, so just avoid the situation where he gets punchy. Exactly. Uh, and Abraham points out a fire truck that's across the street, and he plans on taking it. That's going to be their next vehicle, fire truck. Yeah, big uh, diesel chewing 
machine that probably won't get very, 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 very far. Fire trucks do not have a large tank. They don't need to get very far from their gas station. <laughs> That's true. You basically, you the nearest fire truck to you comes to the fire and then goes back to the station and that's it. Yeah, so they don't, I mean, they have to idle for a long time, so I'm sure that they have, uh, you know, a 100-gallon tank or a 50-gallon tank or something, but I don't think they're designed to have, uh, like, a long-haul truck-type gas tank. They're not meant for that. No. They're meant for tooling around, not tooling around, but getting to a fire (laughs) within their range. They just drive around, you know. They see a fire or a cat. They'll go get it out of the tree or put it out. (laughs) But, you know, then again, I could be way off. If I were designing fire trucks, I probably wouldn't put in a big tank. But, you know, I don't know shit about fire trucks, so they could have huge tanks because they maybe sometimes need to be on and at location for 48 hours running continuously. So maybe they need a big tank. Oh, maybe. But you think there would be like fire truck gas delivery or something like that, right? Because they that, probably have them. They probably do. They probably have, you know, mobile refuelers. Anyways, I don't know. Uh, pe- there were a lot of people had other problems with this fire truck idea too, but we'll get to those in a bit. Um, so they go across the street and approach the truck, and uh, they manage to start it up after a couple of tries. Everyone's happy about that, but it only drives like three feet, and then it cuts out. <laughs> See? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, I'm not wrong. We're out of gas. <laughs> Three yeah. feet later. I didn't roll this one, but we're out of gas. Abraham is pissed, and he gets pissed that nothing is working. Um, but that's, you know, that's the way it is. And then suddenly a tire comes rolling out of a door behind them, out of the fire station. And Did it's, that remind you of Rubber? Uh, that it, movie? It does now that you say it. it. Totally reminded me of Rubber. I have never even seen that movie. That movie is super weird, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to someday seeing it, but uh, I've never seen it, but then that tire, I thought the tire was going to attack them for a second. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's weird. If you haven't seen Rubber, go look, go find the movie Rubber. You're either going to hate it or you love it. I loved it, but it is super weird. Uh, The tire does not attack them, but the, the big group of zombies that comes out the door after the tire does attack them. And they start fighting them. There's a lot. And then all of a sudden, somebody gets up on the roof and blasts them all down with the fire hose. And it's Eugene. Yeah. So uh, with blasting them with the fire hose, did you know that? notice that every time that the fire hose hit a zombie, there was a blood splurt? Like it like blew their heads off? Yeah, it blew their heads off, blew their arms off, put holes. That's, it's a new low in the softness of zombie heads, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, is it a new low? I mean, fire truck hoses blast water pretty fast. Not this one. Like this, uh, that wow. hose was not anywhere near full power. It it, it but, didn't look like a very concentrated beam of water. No. Yeah, because well, you know, honestly, I think it's be- it's because they didn't want to hurt the stunt people that they were aiming the water at. If you had a, a fire hose on full blast and you pointed it at a human being, that human being's going down hard. Maybe, right? maybe so with a hole it, in their chest. So these people, like, I don't think it would blow their heads off or right. open up their chests, but I think that it would knock them to the ground pretty hard. And uh, they didn't want to hurt. And I assume that these were stunt people and not just extras that they turned the hose on because that would be just mean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so 
they were saving, you know, safety first. So I applaud that. But this hose was obviously not at full capacity because it was only shooting like four feet. And a hose on the top of a fire truck is going to shoot 50, 60 feet minimum because they got to get it to the fire, right? What are the chances that there's a fire beside the fire truck? Right there. Right there. So very slim. So this, the, anyway, I just thought that it was silly that these zombies were being, their heads split open and being killed by this, uh, you know, garden hose. It was a little ridiculous. I will definitely agree with you there. But the point is, Abraham, uh, Eugene stepped up again. He did. He, he climbed a thing and turned <laughs> on a thing and, uh, and took initiative. He physically stepped up and figuratively stepped up. He did. Literally and figuratively. So he he blows these all away and Abraham is impressed. He is he's happy that his his uh the man he's protecting is finally starting to grow a pair. And now they're all soaking wet though, which is not so great. Um so Glenn suggests that they hit the goodwill nearby for some dry clothes and supplies, but no, Abraham says you'll dry on the way. He wants to keep going. Right. And there was a continuity not a continuity error, but a production error that I saw. In the background, there is a uh, what looked like a parking garage. The parking garage had all of its lights on. Really? Yep. I saw the parking garage, and both times I watched the episode, I kind of looked at it and was like, huh, there's a parking garage. I wonder if we can see any cars in there. But it didn't occur to me that the lights were on. Huh. The lights were on. All right. Well, must have a must be a parking garage with a generator, and there's probably like 75 people living in there all happy and safe. Yeah, and the generator's been running continuously for a year and a half. Right, of course. Nothing but <laughs> a big generator. Nothing but gas in there. Uh, <laughs> useless lights during the day. That's right. <laughs> I know, guys. Let's keep the lights on so you can <laughs> uh, read books. Yeah. Well, um, Glenn suggests they hit the Goodwill. As I said, Abraham is like, no, let's keep going. So the man is just insane. He is he is single-minded in his desire to keep moving forward. He won't even let them change clothes because they're soaking wet. He climbs up on the truck and he starts laughing like an idiot, really. And yeah. he looks That's down because he saw the sign. He looks down and the sign says, "Sick inside, let them die." Yeah, sort of similar to "Dead inside, don't open" or "Don't open right. dead inside." Yeah, you know the fire hall is full of uh, people and they should all rot. They should just leave them there. Just leave them. We go to a break, and when we come back, it's flashback time again. We have Abraham waking up, still in the grocery store, and he finds his family gone, and he starts calling for them, and now we get all three of their names, Ellen, AJ, and Becca. Becca. Yes, short for Rebecca, I assume. But he finds a note that says, don't try to find us, and he runs out the door into the... Well, that maybe he didn't see the note. Well, obviously he read the note, but... You know, he didn't follow the instructions. He did not. He's like, screw that. I am trying to find them. And he runs out into the bright sunlight. Come back to the present. Everybody's on the road. Uh, Abe is working on the fire truck. So they got it running, I guess. And it <laughs> broke down already. <laughs> yeah. And everyone else is standing around, standing guard, except for Eugene. He's sitting at the back reading H.G. Wells's The Shape of Things to Come. Yeah. Have you read this book? I have not. Neither have I. I have read couple, or at least one H.G. Wells book, I think The Time Machine. Oh, yeah. I don't think I've actually ever read any of H.G. Wells. Okay. Didn't he write, he wrote Invisible Man, too, right? I think so. Yeah. I read those two. 
Uh, but I haven't read The Shape of Things to Come, but I'm sure it's significant in some way. Uh, so Maggie comes around to talk to him, and she says she likes his haircut. So everybody's on board with the mullet. Well, and, yeah, so am I. Yeah, to- mullets are coming back, my friend. I'm thinking of growing one. You should. You should. You'll have a you'll have a nice long, you know, wave of hair down the back, and it'll complement your goatee in the front. Yeah, my my hair tends to uh, when it gets really long, it starts to dread. Ew. Yeah, <laughs> it'll it'll yeah. I could easily you know get you know white guy dreads. I didn't. If I wanted to. I didn't mean that in any sort of derogatory way. I just saying I'm just saying <laughs> on Jason, dreadlocks would not look good. <laughs> no, of course not. Long hair doesn't look good. <laughs> no, keep it short, man. It actually it did look good. I kind of looked like Jesus there for a while. Well, full beard, long hair. That that was a long time ago. Quite the sight to behold. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite a while ago. Well, it was breathtaking. Ooh, breathtaking. (laughs) It took my (laughs) breath away. So, uh, what does she say? She says she likes his haircut, but she says he has it for a reason. And she says that Eugene doesn't want people to know who he really is, so he hides behind his haircut. Yeah. And. Uh, what does she say? Maggie says that he's special because he hasn't given up. He's, you know, a lot of people, there, there's probably a lot of people out there with information on how to cure this thing, but he's the only one who's trying to get somewhere to do anything about it. And Maggie starts telling Eugene the story of Samson, which we didn't really have explained to us as an audience before. She says he killed a lion and asked people a riddle, but the answer was only in his own head. Kind of like what Eugene's got going on here. Yep. He knows the answer, but he can't really explain it to anyone. <laughs> He's the only man who can, who can understand it. And then suddenly Glenn smells something. Wow. And yes, they all start to smell it. They walk towards the terrible smell, because when you smell something terrible, you always walk towards it. Well, why wouldn't you? I mean, if your truck's broke down and you smell something bad, go there. Yep, go there. Go see what it is. They come over a hill and they see a giant zombie herd in the distance. They're all over the road and they stretch off in all directions as far as the eye can see. So there's a lot of them. And uh, they all turn to leave just on the assumption, well, we can't go that way. But Abraham, he refuses again. He says they can still go forward because there's a shitstorm whichever direction they go, and they might as well just go one way and deal with it there. Yeah, that's, you know, that's a good point. It kind of is, but at the same time, pick the lesser of two shitstorms. Well, yeah, but the the shitstorm you know is better than the shitstorm you don't. Well, that's a good point too, but I I don't know, man. The, The giant zombie herd, that's a pretty bad storm of shit. Yeah, it's a shit tornado. It really is. So... I at least consider the other options and Abraham seems to be unwilling to do that. Well yeah, he's uh he's definitely single-minded uh and you know how do, how does he even know that this is the right road? You know, does he have a map? No, he just he wants to keep map. going north. Like he knows that this is the way we have to go generally, but there are lots of roads, so why not pick a different one? Yeah, and you know, blindly going in the direction you're supposed to go, following the you know whatever road leads that direction is not always the right thing to do. No, definitely You know, it could lead you into a canyon that uh, could go wildly astray. That's right. It could just, you could could end up going west, and they don't want to go anywhere near west. West is just wrong. It's just wrong. He's determined, but this time now Rosita sides with the group. She stands up to Abraham and says, no, they're right. We can't go through that. That's insane. 
Yeah, that's bad. So Abe starts walking back, and he kind of grabs Eugene, and he's manhandling him as they go. But everyone else is sort of yelling, let him go, let him go, what are you doing? You're being a dick. Forget it. They all start fighting. Rosita gets knocked down. There's lots of screaming. And amidst the screaming, Eugene suddenly yells out his big secret. Uh-huh. And that is that he is not a scientist. He doesn't know anything about how to stop or cure this big zombie thing. Dun, dun, dun. That's exactly where that music should play. If they put that in every episode, this is the moment. We cut away to commercial and come back, and everyone's staring at Eugene. They first kind of, at first they kind of can't believe it. They're like, what? No, you're you're a scientist. You're you're lying, sort of thing. You, you have a mullet. What, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? Come on, man. And Eugene goes on. He says, I am smarter than most people. <laughs> and I just. Oh, okay, that's better. But I. You know, if you're not a scientist, why would you have a mullet? Right. <laughs> you know, it's because you're smarter than most people. See? The, that the, makes the sense. Mullet, the mullet is a, a sign of intelligence. Um, but he says that I'm smarter than most people, and I just thought that DC was still the best option for survival, because if there was somewhere where there'd be somebody who knows what's going on, it's there. So Wrong. That's where we should be going. <laughs> Cheyenne Mountain, my friends. Cheyenne Mountain? Cheyenne Mountain, the head of NORAD. Oh, that's well. War Games was... Took place, remember? That makes sense to me. That's like the, you know, that's where you should go. Or maybe go to, uh, where is the uh, the mountain with the four faces on it? Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Isn't there a secret military base behind Mount Rushmore? I have no idea. You think so? I thought I, I, thought, the, I, thought, I read something about that somewhere. Well, maybe if, that was a top secret uh, government memo that I shouldn't be mentioning here. Well, <laughs> yeah, stop that. You're giving away national secrets, national American secrets. What about Area 51? Why not go to Area 51? Where is that? That's nowhere. They don't know where that that's is. That's in Nevada. People know exactly know where, where it is. I know, but the, no, that's a yeah, that's not a bad idea. I think it's in Nevada. And I'll, give, and I'll tell you why. Because one, it's heavily defended which means there's probably going to be people there. And even if there are zombies, there's probably not a lot of people there, therefore not a lot of zombies. Mm -hmm. And you better believe that there is supplies and weaponry out the yin-yang there, probably secret alien weapons, so that you could fight the the zombies and their lich overlord with zero problems. Uh, So yeah, Area 51 is a good idea. Washington, D.C., not so good. That's just politicians. Right, they're all dead by now. Or gone. What's the first thing they're going to do when they get into it when there's a scrape? They're going to they're get... going to pack up the important people, put them on a helicopter, and take them to the real location. I was going to say put them on a spaceship and blast them off the earth. <laughs> they're orbiting <laughs> I, the planet you... right now, safe and sound. Oh, I definitely don't want to have, talk about, uh, get into zero G zombies. That's... Man, the space station must be a fucked up place. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, that's right. Anyway, they're going to be yeah. Uh, Washington's a bad idea. Well. Eugene seems to think it's not. He wants to go there, says it's still their best option, but Rosita reminds him that people died getting him here, and it was all a big lie. And he proceeds to list off everybody that has died, including Bob. Yeah. So that's And it was a lot of people. So he admits to them that he lost his nerve as they got closer, so he decided that he would do whatever he could to slow them down and therefore not have to face the inevitable. So that's what he was doing when he sabotaged the bus. Yeah. And Eugene once again says that he's smarter than them, and at this point Abraham has heard enough, so he punches the crap out of Eugene and (laughs) knocks him out. 
yep. against. I thought he was going to shoot him in the head. I really did. You thought, I thought he, he was going to up his weapon and just shoot him right in the noodle. That would be pretty extreme and out of nowhere. No, I don't think it would be out of nowhere. I think uh, I think Abraham is. Uh, he has kind of lost it trying to get Eugene up to uh, like it's just been his life goal, right? It's his whole reason for being right now, uh, and taking that away based on this idiot being a, a liar about about this. That's a that's a heavy blow to take in your personality. I, I don't think it would have been out of nowhere. I think he, it uh, it could have happened. Except that it's it's a. I mean, I guess I was going to say it's an awfully extreme reaction to somebody who is just lying to you. Now, granted, it's a big lie, and circumstances are are special here, but just like taking your gun out and popping him in the head and then moving on with life, that seems, even for this, a little extreme. I think it would have been fully within Abraham's character to do that. Okay. Uh, well. Just because, he, you know, everything sets that up. He's... Uh, you know, as I said, he's got his uh, his his whole life reason for being is to get Eugene to uh, to Washington. That's now gone. He's been betrayed by the one person he's been trying to protect for however long he's been doing it. It's been a long time. Uh, and then he also had that conversation with Glenn about there's no middle ground. Everybody that has survived this long is strong. Eugene does not fit in that criteria. Eugene is not strong. He's not. He wouldn't have been able to survive unless Abraham put everything into making sure that he survived at all cost. You make so, a very good point, actually, with that conversation, right? He said that people are either strong and you need them, so you help them, or they're strong and they're a threat and you kill them. And that's the. I guess the other end of things is that if if Eugene had any strength to him, well, they don't need him anymore, and he's he's just a burden now. He's always been a burden. He's always been a burden. That's true. So I'm I'm actually surprised that uh, that Abraham didn't shoot him in the head. No, you make a very good point uh, when you put it that way. I do think it would have been unexpected, though. Well, I think there's more story standpoint. to be had. Like I think that it's the right thing to do to have him around because that makes an interesting story. Sure. And I think to this point, the interesting stories that they've had, they've nipped in the bud so far on this season. So mm-hmm. I'm glad they didn't do that this time. Right. No, you're right. <laughs> um, but you're right. There's more to come, hopefully, from Eugene. I mean, what's going to happen now? He's going to either fade into the background of the group, and we won't really hear from him for a while. But I think I think it probably has to, you know, his the fact that he's lied like this and he's finally revealed that, it probably has to come to the surface at some point. When the group gets back together, maybe they won't talk about it right off the bat, but the the uh, the conversation needs to be had. That, well, we can still go to Washington, but it's not because of this idiot here. Well, yeah. I, I don't know what they're going to do now. Maybe, you know, continue to go to Washington because it still makes sense for some weird reason. But uh, I think as far as Abraham, or sorry, as uh, Eugene goes, he's going to be the hero at some point, and he's going to sacrifice himself for the group. Because mm. that's, uh, that's, um, uh, that's what Tara, that's the path Tara set him on. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I think I think he'll probably do that. I don't know. I would be surprised now that you say that if Abraham, if uh, Eugene lasted to the end of season five. Oh no, God no! Like I'm giving him an episode, maybe an episode <laughs> and a half. One more episode. All right. <laughs> well, he was almost killed in this scene because Abe 
as I said, punches the crap out of him, knocks him out with the third punch or whatever, and he just falls flat on his face like a sack of potatoes, man. Yeah. Just straight down, no arms, just landed on the pavement face first. And they roll him over after they pull you uh, pull Abraham off him. He's not dead, but he does not look good. No, he well, he's got a little cut on his head. Yeah, and his nose is broken, it looks like, and he just does not look good after face planting into the pavement. Yeah. Abraham walks off and he collapses to his knees on the road, which is a scene we saw in the San Diego Comic-Con trailer and speculated a lot about what could be going on with Abraham there. Um, and uh, it's clearly because he now has no purpose. He has lost his mission in life and he doesn't know what to do from here. Well, he needs a new one because, well, we'll get to that. He does. He does need a new one. Uh, he goes, we go to a flashback though. This is the final flashback of the episode. Abraham finds his family dead, uh, just probably not too far from the grocery store that they were living in. He pulls his dog tags off. He throws them away and he goes to put a pistol in his mouth because he doesn't have anything to live for. I guess at the time his mission was keeping his family safe. Yep. Now... They're dead, so he does not have one anymore. So he goes to kill himself, but suddenly he hears Eugene calling for help, and Eugene's kind of <laughs> running. I'm not going to really say running. <laughs> he's sort of, I don't know. He's just slow. He's trying to get away. He's been uh, trying to get away from these three zombies for quite a while. He, uh, I'm not. What do you call this? It's, ambling? Is he just kind of ambling along? It's kind of like awkward speed walking. It wasn't even speed walking. He was walking slow. I could walk faster than that. Well, sure, but I, I... could walk faster than that backwards. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. He, I don't know what he's doing. He's just kind of moving himself along the pavement in an extremely awkward way. And there's three zombies behind him. So Abe gets up, goes over, kills the zombies. No big deal. He's done it a million times. And then he just walks off. He just turns around and starts walking away. Eugene tells him to wait and says that he has an important mission. And that gets Abe's attention. He turns around, and the end. That's it for yeah. this episode. So uh, we, we found out at the end there how the two of them met and how they started on their path to Washington with Eugene's important mission. Right. And so now that, uh, uh, now that Abraham no longer has this mission and no longer has his previous mission... Uh, he's going to need a new one. What do we think it will be? I don't know. Yeah, go, that's... go to uh, Washington D.C. Well, here's my theory. So right. I, I I have a pretty good idea in my mind of how the rest of the first half of season five is going to play out. Um, but I don't want to get into too much detail because I, I I don't want to spoil anyone who hasn't watched the uh, the previews for next week. Uh, although I have, so I kind of know what next week's episode is about. Um, but I think, if you recall, remember Noah? He said he was in a community with walls in Virginia, which yep. isn't too far from Washington. It's right next door. And so I think that he's going to reveal that information, and they're going to decide to go to Virginia, which is still sort of on the way to Washington, and that'll be Abraham's new mission. He'll be like, I got to get this group safely to the community in Virginia. Right. I, otherwise, you know, why would they mention it? I think they probably have to go there. It's, it's, uh, when you mention a location, you have to go there at some point. <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> why don't they head for water? 
Head like, for the coast? Head for the coast. There's got to be a boat. I mean, sure, the video games have taken uh, taken that route, and there's all kinds of speculation. But they stay in the middle of the of the country where they know that zombies are walking around. Zombies can't walk on water, really. So no, they, go, they don't go find swim. a boat. Go build a raft. There's enough building materials around there. I can the the final scene of the uh, of this particular episode. They're standing in a parking lot, and I can count at least twelve telephone poles. You can make a hell of a raft out of twelve telephone poles. But then what do you do? Then you're floating in the ocean in a raft with no food and and no. What are they to doing go. now? They're walking around in the middle of the country with no food. Uh, fine, but at least there are places to go and supplies to be had when you're on a raft i mean you have to have a location you have to have a i mean a destination yeah or maybe a fishing pole or a fishing or a pole <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i don't see it working out that well i mean raft is is great but you have to be on your way to an island or some sort of offshore rig or something that's out there where you can you can get off the raft okay so pole 40 feet away from the shoreline you know, and when you need to go in for supplies, you go in for supplies, and when you don't, you're 40 feet from the shoreline, and no zombie's going to get to you. Oh, I don't know. That's a weird idea. <laughs> like, anchor yourself just off just off the shore? Yeah, and then you go to sleep, and you don't have to worry about the zombies, because they can't swim. Unless you have a, you know, a previous lifeguard zombie that seems to know how to swim for some reason. That just, could happen. Can zombies swim? No, I think they just sort of... Uh... They'd probably just flail around in the water and get sucked around in like the tide and stuff like that. Interesting. Maybe that's why they don't go to the shore because they can't figure out how to get how zombies would react to the water. <laughs> we don't know what would happen with those zombies. What about a pier? You know, go hang out on a pier. That's really defensible. Yes, but it's also horribly. Uh, there's lack of escape options when there's a giant crowd except of for the ocean. Oh, Jump in the ocean okay. and swim some to another pier. If you have lots of escape options, I guess having a boat would be better, though, or a hang glider. <laughs> Why not live just, on the just, edge just... of a cliff and just jump off on a hang glider anytime you need to? <laughs> <laughs> or you find a boat with a motor and you go someplace else, or you get Let's... anyway. I just think that being landlocked is a mistake. No, I I think you're you have a point. Um, and over the years, uh, in zombie properties. Everyone at some point always says, let's go to the coast. That's where it'll be safe. And no one ever does. So it would be nice to see these people take that advice once in a while. Anyways, that aside, what did you think of this episode? Was it better than last week? Oh, it was better than last week. It was It was a good episode. I'm sorry that they had to have... I, I, I was kind of disappointed in the fact that it was a bottle episode again. But uh, I think that we had lots of good character movement like good story and character development in this one. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I, and you know, I like Eugene as a character. I, I like him. I don't want him to die. I like his mullet. I like the fact that he has a mullet in order to hide the fact that he's not a scientist, but wants the mullet to prove that he's smart. You know, it's, it's just, it's a great, I, I really like, I really like Eugene. So I like this episode. I think it was good. Yeah. I think it was good too. I liked it. I liked it a fair bit. It was another one that some people didn't really get on board with. They're sort of like, you know, what's with all these sort of standalone one-off-y episodes. But I don't really feel like that this one falls into that category as much. It's Yes, it was about a small group of characters, but it was it was interesting. And it dealt with things that were sort of important to the greater story and the, the bigger plot and stuff like that. 
Um, we still had the immense frustration of Maggie, not talking about her sister, but everything yep. we got with Eugene and Abraham, I thought worked really, really well. I liked the flashback stuff, um, even though they were very short. I think they they told a lot of story in those little short clips. And that's what I like. I like stuff that does that. They don't have to go all out for stuff like that. They just need to show us little bits and pieces that gives us the information we need and we can kind of fill in the rest ourselves. Yeah. I'm really disappointed in uh, Rosita's character in this episode. She went from uh, a cool kick-ass third person in this trio of weirdos going to uh, to Washington, D.C. to being a satellite character of uh, Abraham. And basically his piece of ass, uh, you know, in this world. I don't know that she was ever all that that cool. Like, she's never really done anything on the show other well, than nobody, sort of stand none, around. None of them really has. And I thought that there was a lot of potential for her to, you know, come out of her shell and be this uh, this kick-ass character. But as it turns out, she's just a satellite character. And I, I, I'm really disappointed in that. I, like, uh, I would have liked to have seen her be yeah. uh, more of an independent character. Uh, you know, character that had uh, a lot of whatever, you know, just kick some ass, do some stuff. Yeah, fair don't enough. Be, I mean, don't, don't just be a, a satellite to another character. I, fair enough. When you look at it like that and you say they've all sort of been in the background this whole time and then they brought these two to the forefront and left her and and relegated her just to the background still. Um, yeah. No, I can see your point there, but you can't do everybody all at once, right? And she's not dead yet. Maybe we'll get more to her story later on someday. Maybe. Maybe we'll see. Anyways, I I, I like this episode too. I thought it was um, I thought it was pretty good, uh, and I I don't even want to compare it to last week uh, because two two different things here. I I think, um, but they did a good job with this one, and we'll have to see how we feel after next week. And again, I'm not going to say anything, but uh, I think next week is going to be another interesting take on uh, on these the way this season has been going with with certain characters so um that's awesome so let's take a really quick break and uh when we come back we'll do all the holy crap i can fit in so stay tuned for that we'll be right back This episode of the Talking Dead podcast is brought to you by you, the listeners. Thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thetalkingdead. Head over to that URL to see how you can make a small monthly pledge to help support the show. It is, uh, it is, it's a great way to, to send us a little bit each month to help you know pay for all the stuff that goes into doing this podcast. Um, there are a few different levels of rewards you can get. Some original, uh, at the high end, some original zombie art by friend of the show, Dave. One of a kind. 
written on a, or drawn on a postcard sent right to your door. It's very, very cool. So if you want to check that out, visit patreon.com slash the talking dead. We thank everyone that has supported us and we really appreciate it. You can also um, visit our Amazon link at amazon.talkingdeadpodcast.com. You know, it is approaching the holiday season. So if you're thinking really? about it is if you're thinking about doing some holiday shopping on Amazon and I know you all are visit amazon.talkingdeadpodcast.com before to uh, have a tiny little cut come our way and the best part is it doesn't cost you an extra cent you just shop like you normally would buying buy 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 all the stuff you uh, you are going to for this holiday season and uh, you help support the show when you do so um, I will be very soon opening up the opportunity for people in other parts of the world to shop on Amazon, like the UK and stuff like that. So stay tuned. If you uh, if you don't live in the United States and don't use Amazon.com, you will soon have the opportunity to use your local Amazon affiliate to uh, do some do some holiday shopping as well. So thanks to everyone that supports the show. It is great to have you all on board. We super appreciate it, and we thank each and every one of you. Okay, let's read some holy crap moments from this week's episode. We're going to do a few here, and I think there will be some more on our feedback show on Wednesday night. So if you don't hear yourself or hear your email read aloud this time, make sure you tune in on Wednesday because I'll uh, fit in a few more there too. But let's start with Gayla from Maple, Ontario. She writes, Eugene, I lied. I'm not a scientist. Anyone who's read the comics is shitting themselves saying, I told you, I told you, to non-comic readers about to non-comic readers who are shitting themselves saying, what the fuck is all that about? <laughs> Sorry, that just sort of came out awkward as I was, I was reading it. But thank you very much, Gayla. Angie in Birmingham, holy crap. Did Abraham, you, did Abraham and Lori use the same driving school? <laughs> That's true. They, can't, they both took the advanced class. I guess. They can't drive down a straight road without flipping the car. <laughs> now, to be fair... Uh, Lori just can't drive. She's an idiot. And uh, Eugene sabotaged the, the bus. That is true. Lori swerved to avoid a zombie. When Well, you know, she wasn't paying attention. She did, didn't true. swerve to, to avoid the zombie. And they both were driving too fast, in my opinion. Uh-huh. Uh, you should drive... Yeah. If there's... Sure, there's nobody, nobody else on the road, and you can go, uh, you know, 100 miles an hour if you really want to. But uh, but should you go 100 miles an hour is the question. No. And leaves are very, very slippery when they're wet. Yeah. So be careful. Very be careful. much. So, uh, yeah, slow down, relax, and if there's a little problem, you just pull over instead of, you know, <laughs> flipping the car. <laughs> right. You don't need to flip the car for every little problem that comes up. That's right. All right. Uh, Paul in England, my holy crap this week has to be the moment early on 
when the church bus is overturned. Not a particularly graphic or gory visual for the show, but it took me by surprise and got a genuine jump out of me. Nice work. Michael in Missouri. Holy crap, did you see Abraham getting some ass? (laughs) And (laughs) And right out in the open where the weird kid could watch. <laughs> I guess there's not much privacy these days with walkers all over the place. Nope. Now, see, Michael from Missouri called uh, Eugene the weird kid, but he's weird, but he's not a kid. No, he is not a kid, but he's sort of childlike. I guess so, which makes that whole relationship even more complex and confusing. Yeah, it's very odd. Katie and Hertfordshire... Hey guys, my holy crap moment this week is seeing Abraham and Rosita getting it on. A lot of people were into that. I didn't even realize they were a couple or were in the, quote, friends with benefits, end quote, situation. I thought their relationship was more the father-daughter kind. It sure made me cringe, though. That's something I don't want to see again. Well, that's an unfortunate assumption that you had. Yeah. It really was shattered, and that would be shocking. It would be. Um... But but nobody really seemed to know that they were in a sexual relationship. And a lot of people were surprised to see them suddenly get down and dirty there. Yeah, I found it a little shocking when he said, get some ass. And, you know, to be fair, I assumed Rosita. I mean, I could have easily just assumed Eugene, but I didn't. <laughs> nope, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. <clears throat> Uh, Katie on the, uh, Kevin on the internet writes, holy crap, what's a goat rodeo? (laughs) Because at the fire truck scene, Abraham says, I've been to 10 county fairs and a couple of goat rodeos or something like that. Even a goat rodeo. That was a (laughs) reference back to, uh, Dr. Strangelove. Really? Remember? Yeah. Cause, uh, you remember Slim Pickens in the airplane? Uh, yeah. And he said, I've been to two world fairs, a picnic and a rodeo. And this is the weirdest thing that I've ever encountered. So okay. that was a reference to uh, to to Doctor Strange Love, which I I like references like that. There you so that go. Was fun. There you go, Kevin. A goat rodeo. And who can not love a an actor named Slim Pickens? Uh, yeah, that is that is quite the name. It's unfortunately not his real name, but that's his acting name, and that's good enough for me. There you go. Uh, who's next? Lauren S. in Massachusetts. Holy crap, did you see that awful editing? The flashbacks with Abraham this this episode were so badly edited that I thought something was wrong with my television. The flashbacks were way too short and cut away so quickly that it just appeared sloppy. Whatever effect they were going for, it did not work. Come on, Walking Dead. This season started so strong, and now I'm left feeling frustrated as a viewer. Hmm. Did you have any of these feelings when you saw these flashbacks? Uh, I didn't attribute it to editing. I thought that they were abrupt, like going from the uh, f- from the past to the present. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't. I don't. I don't think it bothered me. I I, th- I had some of the same feelings that Lauren has here. Like they were very abrupt, and there were times when you think that. This the shot's going to hold on a little longer, and then it immediately cuts away. But now that could have been done, you know, to 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 get that reaction. It could have been done to unsettle you a little bit, right? Um, yeah. You know, cut away, do something unusual that the audience isn't un, un, isn't expecting, and it sort of gets it draws their attention to it. And it certainly drew my attention some of the times. Now I don't think every transition from flashback to the present had that problem like the one where he holds his bloody hands up and then it cuts to her bandaging the hand that's like the perfect 
um, to me, that was the perfect cut from one to the other, right? You get two, there's probably a cinematography word for this or a filmmaking term for this, I don't know, but you get two scenes that are that are related in some way, which ties the two time periods together, or sometimes you get two scenes which are opposite, which ties the two time periods together. Um, I've seen this done in horror movies before where, like, you know, someone will... Someone in one scene will be like hacked up into pieces and you see a big chunk of meat fall to the ground and then yep. smash cut to someone carving a turkey, right? Like right. that kind of thing. <laughs> or the, uh, uh, you know, the, the seminal edit in uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey where the monkeys are all, uh, they, you know, the, uh, the thing comes down and they touch it and they get uh, inspired to beat the crap out of other monkeys with sticks and stuff the monolith there's the monolith that's the word thank you and the uh the ape throws the bone up in the air and it's, it slowly turns and starts to turn and then turns into the space station uh slowly turning beautiful shot yeah so that's that's similar to uh what you're talking about absolutely it's two scenes that are um that are related in their visual composition that ties the two things together right the ancient yeah. past and the far future and they kind of did that in this sometimes, but some of them were really, really awkward, for sure. The far future. 2001. <laughs> okay. It was the year 2000. Yeah, well, in, <laughs> in 1960, what was that movie, 1968? 68, 69, yeah. Yeah, so at the time, it was the far future-ish. Oh, I just, I find it funny. <laughs> yeah. Now it's the ancient past. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Colin in Mentor, Ohio, and Tom on the internet sent in the same one. And Tom writes, my holy crap was an actual crap. <laughs> At the end of the cold open where the walkers were approaching the bus, the last walker you see center screen before the opening credits looked like she crapped her pants. Oh, Yeah, rewind. I saw that too, but I elected to mentally not make note of it. Right, because that's not what you want to see. Uh, Justine in California writes, my holy crap, did you see that moment for self-help? was when Abraham's wife left after seeing him take care of people that attacked her and her kids. If you're in a zombie apocalypse and you run away because your husband is a killing machine, you deserve to get eaten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, if you have a killing machine on your side, you stay with that killing machine in the zombie apocalypse. My wife, my wife should be so lucky. <laughs> I'm not. an ironing machine. <laughs> a lot of ironing talk lately. Ironing machine. Well, it was a callback to last week. Got it. Food for you. A ironing machine ain't going to get you far in the zombie apocalypse, though. Nope. Not even a little bit. All right. James in Pittsburgh, PA. Walker Palooza. This is definitely the most walkers we have seen on screen since last season, and possibly the same herd from outside the prison. Looks like business is about to pick up. Awesome. There you go. Matt in Clementon, New Jersey. He sent in a few. Uh, he says there were a few little holy crap moments that I noticed. I'll give you two. Number one. The bus caught fire, but never exploded. This might be the first time in cinema history that a vehicle caught fire without resulting in a massive explosion. It's true. <laughs> it's true. They always do. And number two, when Eugene was blasting the fire hose, one of the walkers actually had his arm shot off before being killed. That was a great little moment in a very cool scene. <laughs> yeah. Although we've kind of talked, you've sort of broken that scene down already, but uh, getting in a zombie's arm shot off is cool. You can't deny it that. It is pretty cool. It is pretty And if, it, you know, if the hose had been going full blast, I would, in the, the, the state of zombie softness in this world, uh, I would have believed it. But just, it was, the hose wasn't going full blast. So I don't think it deserved it. But 
yeah, that is pretty cool. And can you imagine that bus crash if this was a Michael Bay film? Oh, the 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 whole forest would have burned down. Oh yeah, there would have been explosions everywhere. The uh, the cement on the uh, on the roadway would have exploded. <laughs> totally, because it does that. Watch some of the movie, and there would have been more lampposts. Michael Bay films have lampposts everywhere. Weird. I don't know why. It's some kind of weird. Uh, you know, always have a, a lamppost moving in the foreground to give you depth. I don't know. It must be a thing he does. I don't know. I've never he, noticed. He's that. a weird. He's a weirdo. I have not seen too many of his movies though. So. Oh, go watch all the Transformers movies. I've seen the first one and I think the third one. I didn't watch two no, or four. No, it's the second one. It was just the it was the second one with the with the Transformer testicles, right? Yeah, but I didn't watch that one because I I heard oh. ahead of time that it was so bad. I for some reason watched the third one though. I never watched the third one. Well, I that was dumb. That's a dumb idea. Yeah, well, and the fourth one I won't even go near. No way, like, man. I can't even I can't even watch information about that movie. Not without wanting to just pull your hair out. <laughs> Uh, anyway, staying on the same topic, Rebecca on the internet writes, my holy crap, did you see that water fight? <laughs> Good one. Thank you, Rebecca. Water balloons would have been cool. Yeah. Uh, Dave in Coventry, UK writes, oh my God, did you see Eugene's head bounce off the truck with Abraham's final punch to the face? Cool. He knocked him out, so I'm not surprised his face just bounced off the side of that fire truck. Gemma in the Welsh Valleys of Wales writes, My holy crap moment was when I watched it the first time. I couldn't see Glenn and Abraham's conversation by the window in the bookstore as it was so dark. I'm not sure if it was my TV or if they had just filmed it dark, but I had no idea what was going on. So I watched it again on my laptop and jumped out of my skin as I pressed my nose close to the screen to see better (laughs) and a walker bounced up against the window. Ugh, wasn't expecting that. That's because they film on film. And film has a, a much richer and uh, a better color depth in the, in the blacks. I know, but it's just so dark on on TV sometimes. I watched it again. The second time I watched it was on the computer as well and for, with the iTunes copy. And it's much better when you're watching that, uh, that digital version of it. But man, oh man, is it dark when it's on TV. I experienced the same thing. So you're not alone, Gemma. Um, Paul in Bakersfield, this week my holy crap moment was seeing the herd. I've wanted to see a big herd of zombies for a while, but it never occurred to me that you'd be able to smell it from so far away. Oh yeah, they are stinky. A thousand rotting fleshes? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, rotting bodies. Weird thing to pluralize. (laughs) Uh, They're not people. (laughs) What? They're not people. No? A thousand rotting people, they're not really bodies either. They're just... <laughs> they're reanimated corpses and they're rotting. Okay, so a thousand rotting corpses. That makes much more sense. Okay, and I'll it, use that. And it would be stinky. There might have been even more than a thousand, too. And you get the wind going the right way, that stench would blow. Uh, finally, Randy in Detroit. My main moment was the opening scene of the episode, the total carnage that Abe put on his fellow survivors for what they did to his wife. It wasn't the bloodiest, but the intensity in his eyes really showed the rage he had. Yeah. That scene where he's punching the guy with the soup can. So, good stuff. Thank you to everyone who wrote in your holy craps and your comments. Uh, We'll do some more of it on Wednesday when we do our feedback show. Um, And that's going to do it for this podcast this week. How do you think that went, Jason? How do I think the podcast went? Yeah. I thought it was okay. (laughs) Not our... You were all right. I was was good as always, but uh, you're a little off your game. All right. I'll try to step it up next week. Or next okay. time. <laughs> Appreciate See? 
the comment. The, I appreciate the feedback. <laughs> no problem. All right, thanks. Get it together, man. In the meantime, folks, if you want to get in touch with us, give us a call on the toll-free zombie line, 1-844-483-9662. You can find us on Twitter, at Talking Dead, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. And uh, Jason, what's our email address? Oh, it's talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. You can send all your correspondence to that address, and uh, we'll read it, and we'll get them on next episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening.